This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning. Professor Ward Scott here in the Manly Warthog Man Cave inside the Mellon Law Studio. Mellon Law with 50 years of experience. Full legal service is the only official law firm partner of the University of Florida. We're protected 24-7, 365 by my good friends at Crime Prevention. Check them out at cpss.net for everything you need. Doorbell cameras, uh, total security systems there. They're able to supply it. And check out our mugshots, of course, when you have time to uh, make sure you know who is uh, being a little out of line here in the community. Uh, Many, many people do that each day. Well, we've got a very good show today and one that's very timely. Uh, in light, if you've been following us uh, from time to time on the Word Scott Files, you know that we have run afoul several times of the tech censors. And currently, we no longer um, deal with YouTube. YouTube fired us, so we fired YouTube. And uh, we went to Rumble, as you know, and we would like very much for you to go to Rumble and follow us. And that increases uh, the time, I understand, when we come up, the frequency, and how long. A lot of you are doing that. And, of course, you had to wordscottfiles.com website where we post and archive every show we've ever gotten. And I go all the way back to 2012. So we've got quite a library of interviews with very important and interesting people. And it's uh, fascinating how culture changes and issues change. And I want to go through this today with a great expert on this, Scott Sleeland. He, this is, this is a, an interesting uh, uh, guest we have today. He's the executive director of the Restore Us Institute. If you go to restoreusinstitute.org, You'll see that it researches issues like those we run afoul of, many have run afoul of, or many are afraid of running afoul of, and that is tech censorship. Uh, in the vague world of censorship of YouTube, all we knew is that we didn't live up to their community standards, which are never defined. But we basically know what they are. Anything that questions the election narrative that is accepted by the political powers that be that are in some sort of partnership, if you will, if you want to call it that, with the tech uh, companies and therefore the tech companies uh, provide the nation with only the narrative the political uh, hotshots want. This is a very dangerous situation. Of course, it uh, nullifies the First Amendment. And we've been talking about this for quite some time. And so I'm very fortunate today to have an expert on this, Scott Seeland. I think I'm saying your name right. Am I saying that? Cleveland. It's Cleveland. 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 Like Cleveland. Yeah, well, it's Cleveland. Right. Yes, sir. And uh, he's traced the Internet world. I, I got to tell you, it's a fascinating thing. I've been reading through your article, and I'd like to walk through that as we go through this narrative uh, with you today. Uh, Scott, welcome to the Ward Scott Files. And uh, uh, let's have a good time and inform and instruct. I view this as a classroom, Scott, and we teach the people as best we can what the issues are, sir. <laughs> Thank you for allowing me this, this opportunity. Well, you know, I'll tell you, so by way of a little bit of history, I first heard of the Internet. This is going to sound strange. I think in the late 70s, somewhere. And I was sitting at a, um, an adult beverage bar with an, a former student had become an adult, if you will. And we were having a beverage together and he was working at the university. And he said to me, turned to me and uh, he said, Ward, can you imagine the world covered by a spider web of light? And I said, what are you talking about? He says, oh, yeah, it's coming. You wait. You wait. It's going to change everything. I couldn't imagine. But looking back on it, Scott, what a fascinating analogy that is. The world covered by uh, a spider web of, of, of light. And um, to, to give you another anecdotal story here, I had a, my mother lived to be 107 and a half. She died in 2019. And one day when she was about, oh, a little over 100, very lucid and very active and everything. She saw me holding my phone in my hand and uh, she marveled at it. And she said, what is that? And I said, well, that's, you know, the modern world mother. And she said, well, you have the whole world in your hand. And basically that's where we've come. Is it not Scott? Um, 
it's really that. <laughs> yes, and that comes with all the good things and all the bad things. And we don't seem to have an ability yet to sort out those, do we? Isn't that sort of where we're going today? It's exactly what we're going to talk about today in the sense that, um, you know, the Internet um, has done amazing things. It allows, uh, um, you know, many, many good things. But uh, the problem is, is that uh, it also allows enormous um, bad and evil. And uh, um, it's not addressing it. So it's a very one-way uh, medium right now, which uh, is, is problematic. Well, in your article, A Declaration of Independence from Unchecked Technological Tyranny, um, I thought that was very interesting. And I'd like to kind of walk through that with our, um, with our listeners and viewers. Uh, an unfettered, free, and open Internet, have we ever had such a thing? Um, well, uh, um, they... It certainly wasn't before 1996 in the sense, you know, when the Internet first became into being, it wasn't, you know, a, a government network to begin with. And then they, they privatized it in the early 90s. And the Constitution and all rule of law applied to it then. It wasn't like it was instantaneously not, uh, um, you know, uh, under the Constitution. And essentially what happened was Congress in a bipartisan manner, uh, they did this in, uh, the, in Congress and the executive branch and in um, the courts. So it was very bipartisan at the time. People were entranced and, um, by the, um, the advent of the Internet and, you know, were really, really excited about it. And so the, what they did is they created an absence of government is the way I call it is they wanted it to be, um, the Congress said, unfettered by federal and state regulation. Well, what that means is also unfettered by sovereignty, constitution, bill of rights, rule of law, um, everything. And, you know, um, the Supreme Court had an absolutist precedent in 1997, which basically said anything that happens on the Internet is, is de facto free speech. Uh, you know, and it, it, it's caused all sorts of problems. And then, you know, the um, executive branch said we want e-commerce to be, you know, global and self-regulated and, you know, minimal government. Well, that works, as, um, but it, it also allows crime and it allows people to, to lie, cheat and steal. So, you know, what we have um, what's happened is good intentions of trying to have a free market or trying to have, you know, limited government. They went fall all in and they went full anarchy. They went full, you know, um, and that's what's so upsetting. I just make a, a, a take a sidelight here that if you're a free marketeer, of which I am, uh, they defined in a, in a way in that policy saying, oh, unfettered, you know, like a like a like a free market. And Milton Friedman, you know, one of the uh, one of the strongest libertarians, you know, he let us know that who needs uh, um, uh, uh, who needs government more than anybody? It is capitalists. Capitalists have the most to lose. The thing is, is government, as he knew, you need to have defense. You need to have a military to, so people don't come in and plunder and take all your wealth, even though that's what they're doing right now. The Russians and the Chinese are doing it. Uh, and we need to have police. We need to have fire. We need to have you know, the normal public safety. Oh, by the way, we need laws that allow contracts, that allow commerce. We need legal legal tender, which can give us commerce and um, allow us to adjudicate um, disputes. You cannot have a free market without government. It, And that's the reason why free markets didn't exist until we started having modern governance. So, the, the the problem here is is that people um, you know that thought uh, and and certainly the internet folks like big tech when you're worried about censorship and and all that is they have been granted impunity so it isn't freedom there is no liberty no equality no justice in anarchy and the policy we have in the United States online for the last 25 years has been. And approved anarchy online on autopilot. Five administrations, 13 Congresses, 17 Supreme Court justices for, um, you know, have not protected the American people and children 
from Harms and Crimes Online for 25 years. What good is a government if it does not fulfill its end of the social contract, which is to protect the people? We forfeit some of our rights or some of our freedoms in return for a military, a, p- a police force, all of that, which, uh, you know, in a court system that we can go to and, 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 and ask for our rights to be protected. And what we have right now is anarchy online and we have a moralism online. Very important point is when you take away all, um, you know, all authority or all sovereignty, what, you know, and when you talk about to people of faith, what's, you know, what's sovereign and what's the authority out there? It's God. And so, you know, the, when you have anarchy, you also have a moralism, which is the doctrine of, of not caring about what is right and what is wrong. So it's a mess. Well, you certainly have um, written about it well. I read through your article and you say that three chief tyrannies uh, basically boil down to an unaccountability policy. Yes. Um, we, we interview from time to time our representatives to Congress. Um, we have a former representative, a guest host with us once a week. We have a current representative who I interviewed a couple of days ago. We brought up this very subject. And one of the things which the, this is Republican, of course, uh, a representative, Kat Kamek. She says Republicans vow to do if they can take back Congress is to address this issue we're talking about. But, you know, those of us who are rather cynical, I don't I don't really like to say that because when you're a cynic, you usually are um, affecting yourself more than you are the object of your cynicism. <laughs> Let's say this, a doubters uh, in the book. <laughs> In the, in the in labyrinth of committee structures and the 50-50 division of the nation and the exploitation of this lawless kind of frontier of the Internet by one political party for sure, um, how do you change it? I have my doubts, uh, uh, Scott, I mean, about being able to go in there and there's too much trade-off that's already embedded. Now, correct me if I'm wrong because I'm willing to be I'll admit that I'm I'm, I'm tainted. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, uh, if I may, if I may say, what RestoreUsInstitute.org? Um, what we're all about? I've been studying this problem. Well, I'm a, I'm a uh, an internet policy analyst for the last and researcher for 30 years. So, um, but the last four years, I realized that no one had basically systematically studied the internet in a macro on what the adverse effects were. Of course, you know, the internet, the big tech and all those folks only wanted to tell the good side. And I basically, when I, I, I knew there were big problems and I, I, I call it macro internetics, much like macroeconomics for economics, no one had done it. I'm waiting to see somebody else that joins and, and starts working on it. There are people that do it in, in, in slices. But um, the reason I, I, I say that is, is that uh, the system is broken, and um, as I said, five all those five administrations, thirteen Congresses, and seventeen um, Supreme Court. This is a bipartisan, or a you know, both parties have to own this, and both parties have been now scratching each other's eyes out. And what I realized is Washington is um, is captured by big tech; they're captured by the internet industrial complex, and. They don't work for the people anymore. And so what I'm doing uh, and what we are doing at the RestoreUsInstitute.org is we are, re- are, are a nonpartisan, nonprofit, 501c3, and um, we are, our purpose is to educate the, um, the public and the government about the, um, the problems of Internet on accountability policy and how to fix it. And so I believe in, in my heart that unless the people – decide, you know, this is nuts. I mean, why, why? But let me tell you, I call it mindless madness. But why does the government not um, protect us on something that we use, everyone uses for everything, everywhere, for life, work, and play all the time, 24-7, 365. And we have this mindless madness of that if I talk to you in person, um, it may, and we may have a crime that is done in that, in whatever it is, 
But if it's done online, that same exact crime isn't under their jurisdiction or isn't considered illegal and isn't prosecuted. Point, um, less than 0.3% of, um, of cyber crimes are ever prosecuted. So it's virtually not, you know, people have impunity. They know they can, can get away with it. So you have um, Washington. Reason what I'm trying to say is, and um, they are at each other's throats. And now we'll get to your point about tech censorship. This is really critical. Big tech knows exactly what it's doing. It is doing everything it can to have the two parties claw each other's eyes out. As long as they are clawing each other's eyes out and are making a ton of money on big tech, both sides make most of their money to run their campaigns by online advertising. That's the, that's the scam. That is the perpetual motion machine which keeps this going. Now, let's talk about the censorship issue and also show how crazy this is. For 26 years, we have basically been governed by one law on the internet, which is Section 230, which people know. That one law thinks there's one problem in the world, defamation, okay? Now, we all know that there's more problems and more things in the criminal code and in the legal code than defamation. However, technology folk figured out way again ago, oh, we need to make this all about defamation and therefore Everything on the internet can be classified as free speech. Now let's look at what what was free speech when they made that decision back in 1997. Well, we had a uh, an internet which um, obviously was slow. It was used by a percentage, a low percentage of Americans, and they were early adopters. One senator used it out in Congress, and then you had. Uh, um, the average user used the internet in 1997, 30 minutes a month. Really? So one minute a day, it was used. Okay. That's because it was so slow. And you can imagine how slow it was back then. You didn't get much out of it if you're using it one minute a day. So that was their vision of what the internet was. Oh, it should be publishers or, or speakers. That's all. What? Now the internet we know is buyers and sellers, it's suppliers and, and, you know, and whatever, it's criminals, it's fraudsters. It's, I mean, to think that you can talk about the internet and literally drive it through a straw and you look at the world, all the whole world through this straw saying, is it defamation or is it free speech or whatever? It's mindless madness. So um, uh, um, what they've done with big tech and on censorship is is the way the law was written, um, uh, it basically uh, wanted to, it took a shot at trying to address moderation. In doing that, they basically applied it to all conduct. As we know, there is illegal conduct that's not free speech. There's like nine different types. You can't incite, you can't do fighting words, you can't perjure yourself, you can't misrepresent, you can't, you know, make jokes about terrorism in an airport. You know, there's certain things we just know that are, they're not free speech, they're, they're illegal. To tell you how screwed up this is, let's see what, the, what did the Supreme Court rule as protected constitutional speech when in 1997, in its only precedent, it um, uh, overturned Section 508 of the Communications Decency Act. What was that? That was um, the, um, the law of the land for a year that criminalized for, um, for 10 years in prison for coercing or enticing children for sex or prostitution. Pretty important law. One of the most heinous crimes that can be done. And the Supreme Court because they wanted to protect adults' free um, speech access to pornography, they took down the whole Communications and Decency Act. They threw the baby out with the bathwater, literally. They threw millions of children to the wolves for 20 years. That's what I'm talking about. When people have looked at this, they've been absolutist. So when we say um, no government, they mean no government. We have anarchy. When we say free speech, 
They're saying, oh, pimping children for sex. That's free speech. That's how Backpage, those, um, you know, predators and pedophiles that um, were allowed to run for 20 years. So excuse me, you're hearing my indignance. But this is so wrong that the people that were supposed to protect us, and that was a unanimous decision. And they made it in saying, oh, technically our precedent says that when we overturn most of something, we should overturn most all of it. Well, that technicality has put millions of children, uh, um, you know, in, in predators' harm's way. And so um, the when we talk now, excuse me for going off on that tangent, but it gives really good context now to talk about your point about tech censorship. I should say, is that helpful right now to go to that? Oh, yeah, sure, sure. And uh, the tech censorship is the definition lies in the secret hands of the platform. Um, it, it, they don't share that definition. And it is, um, let's assume it's, it's well-meaning, but you don't get to debate it. You don't get to refute it. You don't get to, to uh, uh, challenge it in any kind of meaningful way. See, this show, what we're doing right now, is listened to by these tech people. Scott, and yep. their algorithms, this is what I think is happening, maybe help me out with this, not human beings, but algorithms hear certain words, and then that becomes a subject of censorship. Let me give you the one that I have started beeping myself with, okay? Over time, and some of these have come through the very same booking agency that's booked you and me together today, uh, I've had guests who raise questions about the election. These are responsible people. Uh, who are, uh, are professionals at evaluating elections. But because the F word, it's the new F bomb, by the way, uh, is in there, election F, you know, the algorithm picks it up and takes that show down. Now, I have started beeping myself. I say election beep to fool the algorithm. <laughs> I, mean, that, that, I mean, that's what I think I'm in the hands of, uh, a mathematical formula on a machine initially and then beyond that there's no appeal well on online you have you're not a human you're an in, you're inanimate you're your data you're a product that's bought and sold so just forget you no know, you're disenfranchised you're essentially uh um your your commercial uh chattel uh you're you're not uh you you really don't control your destiny or control you don't have you don't have rights, you don't have redress, you don't have access to justice online. So let's just put, you know, that's what they've done to us. Then also when you have impunity online, surprise, surprise, might is right, spite is right. And we allowed these companies to become just un unimaginably big uh, um, trillionaire companies. And um, so that is a big problem when you, allow something to grow that big and you give it impunity, no accountability, um, you have really big problems like this. And algorithms, remember, are programmed by people. And so the people choose what things there are. Algorithms are just automated, very smart seekers of what they're told to do. And, uh, um, and, and that's right. We have you know, the problems we have. Just to give you a little history, I was the first to testify in 2007, Google would become a monopoly. I said, you let them buy double click, it's a no brainer. They let it happen and look at what happened. So you, the whole YouTube thing, I was onto them um, 15 years ago. I wrote a book on them, Search and Destroy, uh, Why You Can't Trust Google Inc. It was the first critical book on Google. So I've had their number. In 2011, I was the first person asked to uh, you know, talk to Senate Judiciary, House Judiciary. I testified. They wanted to know what's the outlook for competition. And I basically said, you're going to have multiple monopolies. Surprise, surprise. I was right again on that. Because what, when, you when you give, when you give um, companies uh, that have enormous network effects impunity, they cheat. No one can win when somebody cheats and the others don't. And so they basically figured out the model, which was, look, online, we can cheat and we don't have to play by the rules. Let's go cream skim and uh, in every part of the economy 
where people have to compete by the rules and we'll cream skim. And that's how they became trillionaires. So as the, uh, the tech censorship, now let's look at um, what the problem is. There are two sides that look at the exact same thing. The word that you bleeped. Okay. okay. So any word it can be, it could be, you know, um, sandcastles. Sandcastles are somehow some secret bad thing. But that word now is programmed in because it's code for something one side or the other doesn't like. So what um, what's happening right now, um, Ward, is, is that both sides look at the exact same thing, like Sandcastle, and say, we see that as a censorship on the right, and we see it as misinformation or disinformation on, on, on the left. It's the exact same thing. Both sides have their reasons and their legitimate reasons to see it that way. What's good in the world is that we have the right to look at things differently. That's part of what freedom is. We aren't supposed to all be one thing. And, and that's why people are so upset with censorship. I've been censured by, Google, censored by Google and by others as well. So I feel your pain. You know, they don't like somebody that stands up to them like I do. And, uh, um, but the problem here is, is that they've let the system get, these companies get so big, so powerful that they control uh, um, the government in a lot of ways. And, you know, the, the, I pointed this out uh, in the past that they, uh, you know, at, at different times, they had their people in like in antitrust and in privacy, in privacy, in the science area or patents and trademarks. They had Google employees put in those places and ran the things for a while. So um, uh, this issue also, let me put it into the context of how we approach it at RestoreUsInstitute.org, is, is that it's not that free, that free speech isn't very, very important. It is. We are using our, our First Amendment rights in order to propose a solution, you know, the, the Declaration of, of Independence. Now, um, the problem is, is we don't add a lot. Hopefully you found you know, some, some interesting stuff I've told you of being the 10,000th voice inside the Beltway talking about just free speech. Because free speech, if we think about it, is like 1%, 5% if I'm being super generous, of the problems on the internet. But as you can imagine, 99%, because the two parties are so into it and so mad about it and are so angry with each other, and because those algorithms... A reward um, anger, anger with five light with five points and likes with one. They uh, um, they're, they're so uh, um, geared up and, and, and fighting that they are ignoring the ninety nine percent of the internet problems that aren't related to free speech. Think about free speech: is it is people that are like yourself that have a, a voice and an audience. And it's, uh, it's celebrities, it's government people, it's politicians. But when we put those in the, the, the context of 330 million Americans, it, the people who are being, and I was one of them too, we're like, you know, one-tenth of one percent or one percent, or we can, we can say that people are then done. My point is, is, is that we have lost so much perspective that we are fighting over um, free speech and then Everything else in the uh, in the country goes hell in a handbasket because nobody's focused. We want to be that company. We're the or that not the company. We want to be the nonprofit, and we want to be the a voice that is telling and trying to educate people, folks. You need to focus on the ninety five to ninety nine percent of problems that are coming from the internet that no one's trying to uh, to fix holistically. There are many good people that are fighting, you know, sexual predation, that are fighting fentanyl. They're working on one problem. We, you know, Godspeed to them. We are with them. We are allies with them. We want to help them. We want to partner with them. But the thing is, is this is a holistic problem, which we talked about. It's holistically anarchy. It's holistically um, amoralist. It's uh, holistically all about unaccountability. And so just look at your free speech problem in the context of all the other things that are going on in America. And ho hopefully that gives you some perspective.
We're talking with Scott Cleland and a uh, fascinating conversation. You know, just to give you a behind the scenes conversation, Scott and I talked uh, while we went live about how long we thought we'd want to talk. And we originally had scheduled a half an hour. We realized we could go on for days about this. I'm getting a lot of uh, uh, input here, too, from the chat line. Some questions when we get back from our bottom of the hour break that uh, probably we should discuss, Scott. Yes. Um, and this is interesting because it's audience participation here. Um, this uh, conversation is one that I've been looking forward to. Um, students, my call my audience, my students, uh, um, for quite a while. And it's nice to know that there are people out there who are seriously uh, uh, working on this issue. Uh, one of the things that just before I take a break that I uh, heard, as you said, and I've, well, you've testified to all these committees. I don't know if, God bless you, the committee testimony ever went anywhere, Scott. That's the problem because over the committee shoulders lurks the very thing we're talking about. Am I right or what? <laughs> yes. No, it, uh, even back then, it, you know, I was opposing something that was already extremely strong, frighteningly strong. And that's why I testified against it. And that's why I got censored. Look, I was one of the first people that big tech censored wow. you know, way back when. I don't feel so bad. We'll be right back on the Ward Scott Files. We get back, we'll do a little weather and we come back and we'll talk to Scott again. And any questions you got, send them in on the chat line. We'll be right back on the Ward Scott Files. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, RR Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Ward Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth. All these poop. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, thanks. Help me! Help! Help! Now for the weather brought to you by Lewis Oil. Welcome back to Ward Scott Files and Ward's Weather Report brought to you by Lewis Oil, a great sponsor, great friend, Wendell Lewis. They've been in this business here locally for and well, the early 60s, and I've known the family for a long time, wonderful people. Uh, we are going to report to you happily today from the piney woods of north central Florida, God's country. As I've said before, we enjoy a couple of great months here in this um, part of Florida each year. It is generally uh, late October, November, uh, a little bit of December can be. And of course, in the spring, we get the same thing going out with March and April and a little bit of May. Wonderful time. And just to give you an indication of what we're dealing with here, 
we're dealing with real high quality air right now. It's nothing bad to bring you down if you have allergies. We're, we're working with a pleasant temperature at night, uh, which is around 59 degrees, about mm. uh, mid 80s in the daytime with a very slight wind. Uh, humidity is tolerable. That's one of the things which does a lot of people in in Florida. And uh, we're doing okay with that. So the air, air quality is excellent uh, for most people. And so you can enjoy your outdoor activities. Uh, on the news front nationally, uh, we have got, of course, as you may have known, a, year, a day ago, an uh, earthquake in San Francisco, pretty good size, 5.1. And we've got some severe U.S. Uh, storms, uh, may trigger tornadoes coming across the Mississippi and Georgia and all up into Tennessee, uh, not probably dipping down into our area, but drenching Texas and Alabama. Um, and uh, that's that's we're ducking that. We've had our share of rain, as you know, uh, with our Hurricane Ian who came through, from which we're still recovering. A lot of snow out west. If you're a, a skier, as I once was, uh, get out there. We got a big dump, and uh, you ought to have a pretty good ski season in the west. So uh, right now we're enjoying very good weather. The sun is rising at 7:40 a.m. Uh, and it's setting at 6:48. So that's Eastern Daylight Time. Uh, we have been talking with Scott Cleland, and I'm seeing a lot of questions come in here, which I very much appreciate. <laughs> and we'll pass along to Scott, and we'll uh, try to help you, our students, understand some of the issues that you're so interested in. Um, one of the comments which I passed along to you on our break, uh, uh, Scott, was that many people are still amazed that big tech could effectively uh, mute a sitting president of the United States. I don't know if there's anything to say about that, obviously, uh, other than the obvious fact. <laughs> well, when you let companies have no antitrust and you give them impunity and the government favors them with impunity, um, they become ginormous, larger than you can't even imagine how co big these companies are. They're so big that, you know, when you combine their uh, um, free cash flow, they could um, fund annually the fourth largest military in the, in the world. They're big. You can't even imagine how big they are. So, um, you know, just, uh, um, but they were able to mute, uh, you know, a president. Uh, and the reason is, once again, I told you about free speech absolutism. And so right now, the system, when I'm saying the system, I mean Washington, the, you know, it's the Congress, it's the, they don't know it, but the judiciary and the executive branch, all of them are stuck in this, you know, anarchy and amoralism era uh, of the internet. So they think that the freedom of speech rights of Google, of Facebook, of Twitter, of these large dominant companies in their area is just like anybody else's, and therefore, you know, if there's 80 million people or there's, um, you know, whoever it is, doesn't matter. You know, it's like their free speech. And at some point, the um, judiciary and the Supreme Court have to wake up and say, uh, the Internet isn't like it was you thought in 1997 when people used it 30, to, you know, a minutes a month. I mean, it is used. Everyone uses, does everything everywhere for life, work and play on there. And it's full of, it's a comprehensive con, conduit for conduct. It's not just defamation. It's not just free speech. But we haven't, uh, you know, so that's how this has happened. Uh, and and then when it's automated, it makes them even more powerful. And when they're then allowed to not have to show what they're doing behind the scenes, it adds to the power. So it's not any one thing. It's about five or six things that are all so broken they break each other as they intermingle with one another. It's mindless madness is what I keep coming back to. You know, so more questions. Well, the next question I have is, um, do any of these competitive companies uh, stand a chance in this current culture with the big guys on the block in terms of surviving or? No, and this is one where, um, you know, Ward, I um, you know, believe in antitrust as law enforcement for a long time. Uh, um, and, you know, I've been very upset with kind of this pro-monopoly um, view over the last, you know, kind of 30 years that I've been doing it. And uh, um, 
the fact is, is that right now the big tech guys over they they own the bar. Especially the antitrust bar, they own it. They own it three times over. And so, but Congress is trying in a bipartisan fashion to pass some antitrust laws. And if they can pass those, uh, people will have a fighting chance going forward. The little guy will. But if we stay with the status quo, it will only get worse. Because right now, what the path we are, how do we get to um, trillionaire companies? We allowed them to buy hundreds, hundreds of their competitors. And Google, if I remember, it's a couple hundred, just Google. You go to Facebook, you go these. I mean, look, if they're allowed to buy up everybody, you know, why do we need a market? Why do we need competition? You know, why do we need choice? Let everybody merge. I mean, right now, under the way this is going, big tech can become one company itself. If you project what they're growing, they all grow everybody. I mean, there's something called the law of large numbers and in investing where, you know, you get to a certain size and you can't grow that way. Amazon, when they were a $350 billion company, grew $100 billion more, 33%. That's not possible. You can only do it because you can cheat or because you're a monopoly and you can do it. So I look, if, if people want the little guy to win, and I certainly do, you've got to pass antitrust regulate, uh, antitrust in law enforcement, because if, if you think, oh, that's regulating the internet or regulating company. No, it isn't. It's basically, if you want to have a competitive free marketplace, if you want to have capitalism, you can't have crony capitalism we have right now where big tech writes the rules, its own rules. We have a, 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 a good fan here wants to maybe have you go back and explain what 203 protection is. What, what, two, what two, 203? You mean 230? 230, 230 protection, yeah. Section 230 is in that was the only thing that survived in that law that I just described was taken down, the Communications Decency Act. And it basically was put in to um, protect uh, companies, uh, internet companies online, that if they did uh, do any moderation of content, that it gave them some immunity. And that was, uh, you know, so that um, now is the only holistic law that operates the Internet. And so um, it's wildly, disproportionately influential. And, you know, it's, it's nuts that the United States, uh, you know, the most modern company or country around is uh, running its Internet with one slice of one straw of the law. So what you're saying then, if I heard you right, to paraphrase from, paraphrase from layman's point of view here, is if they want to moderate your content, they pretty much are immune from your challenging it. Yes, they have impunity. Yeah. That's a word I, I started using with the Department of Justice and others the last, about the last four years, just saying, folks, you have to realize that the government has created impunity, much like you know, they do for diplomats where, you know, a diplomat really right. has impunity, not only right. just immunity, and it can cause problems, but the need for diplomacy um, in each, in all, every countries, it makes sense. But giving it to, you know, technology and to corporations and to, you know, uh, monopolies and to bad guys and to bad actors, it's insanity. Well, the other question is coming in, and I'm sure this is on a lot of people's minds, is um, all the data that is gathered on us. I don't think we've talked about that yet, Scott. Every click, everything, is it not collected and stored? And, you know, and that another way of taking away an individual's freedom? I'm just. Um, yes. Let me talk about when I let's go, go to the. the, the we have a declaration at RestoreUsInstitute.org. This is a good way to get there. Um, we have a petition, which is, you know, protect people online, restore constitutional accountability, or you know, restore a, a constitution authority uh, on, on over unchecked tech. And then we have, it's basically put together in the format of the Declaration of Independence. Two years ago when I was studying this, I was lo looking at the Declaration of Independence and I wanted to say, what were tyrants like you know, 200 years ago? 
Well, tyrants of 200 years ago are just like the tyrants, tech tyrants of today. There's only so many ways that you can uh, do tyranny. And uh, big tech has actually pioneered and innovated many new ones. But what I did is, much like there's 28 uh, grievances embedded in the Declaration of Independence, I wanted, and since we have no rights online, I used the Declaration of Independence, and it's in that form. You can go to restoreus.org, and you can see the intro to it and then the actual text. But there are 20 grievances. And when you read them, you are going to shake your head and go, oh, my goodness, this is this is horrible. You're right. It's tyranny. And um, there's 20 tyrannies. But the overall one that I think is that can coalesce Americans over time as they get smart and realize, you know, consent of the governed. We the people. We're the ones that should be an ultimate um, authority. But the three chief tyrannies of Internet unaccountability policy are first, it in- inhumanely prioritizes technology over protecting people. Second, it unjustly grants technology impunity over people. And then it empowers technology to control and govern people without rights, recourse, or any um, access to justice. So what we're talking about in the Declaration of of Independence there, we're also asking for, um, for, we're petitioning in that, for reconstitution, meaning all of these unaccountability and amoral policies they have, have essentially um, defanged or, um, you know, undermined or subverted the authority, the sovereignty, and the power of the Constitution online. We want to reconstitute it. Very formally, we are proposing restoring constitutional authority over the U.S. Internet in U.S. policy Congressionally, executive branch wise, judiciary, and in our treaties. It should be, you know, we should be able to stand up and say, you know, the Constitution, of which is the authority in America that has all legitimacy, all foreign international, um, uh, any international trade, international law that we have, anything international, anything domestic, rule of law, rights, duty of care, anything. All of it is based on the Constitution. When you rip the heart out of America, which is the Constitution online, you have problems. So, number one, we're petitioning for them just to stand up for their oath of office. I had an oath. I was in the H.W. Bush as a Deputy Assistant Secretary of State. I've, I swore on the Bible to uh, um, support and defend the U.S. Constitution from all enemies, uh, foreign and domestic, and to faithfully do that. Well, there's 40 million Americans right now, roughly by my estimate, whether they be government employees or elected, but whether they're law enforcement, state, um, local or or fed, any lawyers, uh, veterans, uh, military, have all sworn that oath. And so what I'm talking about in Washington, they've forgotten that oath. And so we need them to basically reconstitute the Constitution online. The second thing we need to do is we need, we need to restore rights. It's nuts. We don't have our unalienable rights. You know, the ones that are God-given, uh, that the Declaration of Independence uh, says, you know, life, liberty, and happiness. Um, we don't have um, our constitutional bill of rights. We don't have our civil rights. We don't have our human rights. Um, so we, we're just saying... Duh, let's restore rights online. And we're not saying write a bill of rights for the internet. Big tech knows that. That's just like, oh, we'll control that too, just like the algorithms. And we'll do the rights in the way that make it good for us. No, 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 no. All of the rights that are already in existence in the physical world should just apply. So when you reconstitute and you get the rights back, it's simple. Same rules. Same rights, whether it's offline or online. Equal protection under the law. If it's illegal offline, it's illegal online. How much more, you know, that's that's simple. If you believe in that and you think that's a good idea, please sign the petition. Please join us on RestoreUsInstitute.org. Join the Mindful Many and and please donate. So the other thing, two things it's doing, it'll interest you as well. That'll answer your question. We're also petitioning for people primacy um, protection principle. Right now, all of the policies are about protecting platforms from people. They're all about protecting 
uh, money, profit over people or just, uh, but none of it is about protecting people or elevating people. You know, they've thrown children to the, to the wolves. So we know in we, the people, the first words of the constitution that they meant to have people be primary, right? You know, um, that we should not have, you know, the technology inanimate objects. We should not be worshiping technology idols and innovation and putting it above uh, humanity and people. So um, we need to, in policy, make it very clear that people's interests in protecting people come ahead of protecting technology, protecting um, corporations, or protecting anything in between than whether you're a human, than than if you're a person. And then the last thing we need to do is a lot of all this problem is because they created kind of weird jurisdictions. So we're not talking about, you know, increasing government. We're trying, what I'm trying to do is addressing the jurisdictions. What am I saying? Well, they, they created this thing called the internet. And then they said that it was not going to have any government. So essentially they said, um, this is a jurisdiction. It is online. And in the world of ones and zeros, that jurisdiction, we are not going to enforce the law. And that's what I'm saying is mindless madness because people bleed, bruise, and die the same way, um, whether it's online or offline. And when you say, what do you mean? Who's dying? 100,000 Americans died last year with fentanyl poisoning. Almost all of that came from illegal pharmacies overseas that couldn't be addressed. 35,000 of them. 97% of all of them are out there. So people are dying over this because we don't put people first and because of this preemption. The feds then, they took something as extreme as saying we're going to create the the jurisdiction of uh, the Internet and it's going to not be a, 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 a law and order jurisdiction. On top of that, they stepped, they trampled on people's and the states and the localities and the people's Tenth Amendment rights, that if it isn't you know, um, explicit in the uh, that the feds should do it, the states should do it or people should be able to do it. And that, you know, that's um, we think that should be also restored because it's nuts. I have a friend who lost one hundred fifty thousand in, in, in fraud um, and went to the local police and they said, man, we wish you could help you. But, you know, we, the states can't help you either because we don't have jurisdiction now. Uh, because the feds have preempted it. So they preempted them, the states or the localities, from bringing sanity and trying to enforce the law. And so they were told, you have to go to the FBI. And then he got to the FBI and and they said, look, if you haven't lost a million dollars, we can't help you. How many Americans out there have been defrauded? And we're talking about tens of millions of them. Um, And they, they aren't wealthy enough to have lost a million and they're not being taken care of. They are being left alone. And if you're a victim of any type of fraud, and most of your audience is either a victim of cyber crime, of cyber bullying, cyber harassment, or some other cyber harm, they or their loved ones are, please help us help you, your loved ones, and everyone. This is the first movement that's standing up and saying, Humans matter. We the people. We are people. We bleed. We bruise. We, you know, we're not technology. We're not automatons. We, you know, so they, you know, people need, you know, rights and, and, and all. So, and, and it is absolutely unconscionable that all of these things are done and the government doesn't pr- um, try and protect us from them. And those are decisions they made. And we as the people, as long as we say, okay, I guess it has to be that way. And we don't, you know, sign a petition or we don't donate or we don't try and do something about it. So please, I hope you, you, um, you. Uh, I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask production please, right now to please, please. Put, put in the chat line, put in reusinstitute.org. Um, Restore us institute.org. Yeah. yeah. R, 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 yeah. R E, what I've got is it R E U S institute. Well, we're, we're restore us institute, those three words, dot org. Okay, restore us. Uh, okay, restore us institute dot org. That's it. That's restore how you find us institute dot org. Chat, if, if production can put that in the chat line, uh, we'll get it in, or else we'll put it on the website a little bit later if we don't get it in now. But um, let me ask you a question that's come up. Um, what are other countries doing about this? Are they just clamping down or they're using it even more heavy handedly than 
And we, we keep referring to all this back to the declaration. Everybody doesn't have a declaration. And it certainly is a de an excellent case in point that declaration never imagined the, uh, 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 the Internet. Uh, but nevertheless, language should be in the declaration that would apply to the Internet. So but what about these other countries, China, Russia? How do they deal with this? Well, we like to call it the free and open Internet. And that is, you know, been, turned out to be a joke um, because um, the Internet in the uh, in the hands of bad folks. We know now with big tech and with tyranny and all that. And there are a lot of autocracies and, you know, bad actors who are adverse like China. China has used the Internet as the biggest social control element the world has ever seen and most sophisticated where they track people and measure them and, you know, they get credit scores. It's it's frightening. Then in Russia, Putin uses it to crack down. He created his own um, Russia Internet, Runet, and he basically made it so that um, it would be hard for us to do certain cyber uh, defenses or cyber attacks on them if um, you know in order to stop them from doing bad stuff then you have a, a whole bunch of like probably several dozen countries who have mimicked the strongman stuff that the russians and the um and the chinese have done so it's it's bad in the hands of bad actors it's bad now the europeans have uh, and you know in the brits and new zealand and australia and japan and South Korea, to name a few, have um, basically tried to apply their version of a constitution or their views of how things should be run in their country should apply online. And they all do it um, differently. But it's the same principle. And we, as the Internet policy leader and the Internet leader, by far, are the laggard today, where we are so interested in protecting the internet and protecting big tech and their trillionaire. I mean, it's trillionaire welfare. And they've convinced us all that they are the most important thing that everybody should protect. I mean, they are the most entitled, most pampered, most, uh, give me a third word. <laughs> say, spoiled, spoiled, <laughs> spoiled, rotten brats. Thank you. <laughs> but I mean, you know, Scott, I was talking to, um, Oh, I don't know if the word millennial applies anymore. I think the millennials are now approaching middle age. I don't know, but even younger uh, than that in their 20s still. And I was very surprised to hear that they are very frightened of the future. And the reason they are is they see the abstract world becoming dominant over the real world. And uh, that is to say, uh, uh, certain uh, uh, things that are unseen govern those which are seen. And the result of this has been fewer choices for them. They don't look forward to having a family. This is really strange, Scott. They don't look forward to having a home. They don't think they can have a home. They don't think they really won't have community as their mother and father had it. Uh, it all be kind of abstract and effervescent, whatever. And this is on the minds of people I've been talking to in their mid to late 20s. I was very interested in what they had to say. Gloomy. They have a gloomy outlook on this, not a positive one. Well, they're digital natives. They've grown up in this and they understand there are good and bad things to it. And they are realists. And actually, I did one of the things you can find on restoreus.org, restoreusinstitute.org, is I wrote a... Um, uh, an op-ed that went out called "What Cause? What is Causing um, America's Widespread Worsening?" And that, where I kind of show, is how it's happening. But what what that um, person who asked this question is: people in, intuitively see things that they are getting worse. They really are, and it's it's 360 degrees. They're getting worse, and um, uh, because and they they look at how it affects them. And they go, I don't see how this gets better. I see how it gets worse. And so they're actually being quite perceptive. And uh, because that's what my research is showing. I mean, if people think the Internet has made the world a better place, it hasn't. When you do it net net, you know, our security has been a disaster. Our economy has been worse because of it. Our society and culture has gotten worse because of it.
Well, you know, we're going to run out of time. We're running out of time, unfortunately, Scott. I'm really sure have you back someday. We can have a continuous uh, attenuation of this conversation. We have got uh, RestoreUSInstitute.org on the chat line now. Uh, We'll encourage people to participate in it. And we're all on the same page here that something, uh, it looks as if it's going to come down to the people putting people in government who can then make those committees toe the line and get something done. Uh, a lot of not a lot of another faith here. I'm seeing a chat line on the judiciary straightening it out, or uh, anybody in corporate CEO land even caring to straighten it out. So uh, we're out of time, but boy, I really enjoy talking with you. We've got a lot of activity as a result of this conversation, and thanks so much for being with us. And have a great day. Thank you, sir. Fort Hall Command Center. Out.